Oh my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we have a good, a good amount of kids because when they go, we kind of see their holes. The holes that they leave, eh? Oh, I could use one of those candies right now. <laughs> but I can't. You can't speak and have a candy in your mouth, but it's all right. It's all good. Well, praise the Lord, and God bless you this morning. And we are looking today at Second um, Chronicles, a chosen place in a chosen time. Chosen place in a chosen time. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Verses 1 to 3. Oh, it's up on the wall. I was just waiting for you all to look like you found it in your Bible. Seeing how many brought their Bibles. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple, and the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. And when all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever when you open this passage we are in second chronicles 7 verse 1 and it starts with and as soon so it's like the thought is con continuing from the previous chapter. As soon, David ha er, Solomon had just finished building the temple of God and he was going to dedicate it. But as soon as Solomon finished his prayer, you know, man puts the demarcations that now a new chapter begins. But in the Spirit of God, it just flows as one. And so what exactly was going on as soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down, consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple, so much so the priest could not enter. Could not enter. Everyone saw the fire, and everyone saw the glory. There wasn't anyone in their midst that did not see the fire, or, nor did they not see the glory. Everyone saw, and as a result, they fell on their face to the ground, to the pavement, and they worshipped God. But what happened? What caused this glory and this fire to come into their midst? What was that prayer about? Do you not want to know what kind of prayer would bring down the fire? fire of God in the house? What kind of prayer would bring down a 
visitation of his glory in your midst? What kind of prayer would cause the people to fall on their face, not worried about how they looked face down, not worried about who was behind them, in front of them, or around them? They just put their face planted to the ground and they began to worship their God. What kind of a prayer would invoke such a, such a response? And that's where we want to go. We have to back up the page. For some of you, it means you have to turn the page back. We have to go back for a moment to Second Chronicles 6. You see, what happened was Solomon was blessing the people and he made this prayer of dedication right after blessing them. And it starts out with verse 12. Then Solomon stood before the altar of chapter 6. The Lord, the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. Solomon had made a bronze platform five cubits long, five cubits wide, and three cubits high, and had said it. Okay, so he had a big place to stand on and talk. And then he knelt on his knees in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands towards the heavens and said, O Lord God of Israel, there is none like you. There is none like you in heaven or on earth. What was it that Deb was saying? She just kept feeling to repeat this morning. There is none like you in heaven or on earth, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all of their heart, who have kept who have kept with your servant David, my father, what you declared to him, you spoke with your mouth and with your hand have fulfilled this day. And so what did we see Solomon do? He has this platform and he kneels down before the people and he stretches out his hands and he begins to pray. Here is their king their king is before them and how is he positioned he is on his knees before his people in those days for a king to be on his knees that would have been a very rare sighting because it's not the king who goes on his knees it's the servant who goes on his knees but this king had something within his heart. This king knew that there was a prostration that he needed to make in order for his prayer to be heard. He knew that there was a humbling that he had to do. And so he knelt before the people. He wasn't about to say, well, surely God, I sense in my heart that I am to do this, but what will they all think? You know, some of us do that in church. Something within us while the worship service is going on makes us to feel like we got to go to the altar and we got to pray and we got to get right with God. And then we think, oh no, but what will people think if I spontaneously, in the middle of worship, go to the altar and pray? They're going to say, oh, what sin does she have in her life? Oh, what's going on in his life? And so we pull back. But 
King Solomon in that moment was not regarding maybe the thoughts that the enemy would have planted in his head. Instead, in that moment, he was regarding one thing. He was dedicating this temple to his God. And before him was his God. Not these people, but before him was his God. And so he knelt. He knelt. The power of God and God alone was what caused him to take that place that would be the first point that we want to look at. It starts with a humble prayer. You want to invoke the presence of God in your car, in your home, in your living room, in your church? Start with the humble prayer. Start with the humble prayer. To be humble is not being proud or haughty, according to the dictionary. Not being proud or haughty, not arrogant or assertive. When we humble ourselves before God, it requires us to point everything to him. Lord, this is going to embarrass me in the moment, but it's all about you. Lord, everything around me wants to stop me from doing this right now, but it's all about you. See, if you want a taste of God, you have to be willing to do what the flesh says no to. Because the flesh will say, no, no, don't do that. The flesh will tell you to eat a second piece of cake, but it won't tell you to go to the altar for that spirit of gluttony. No, I'm just kidding. I just wanted to see if anybody was paying attention. But no, the flesh will cause us to say yes to things we shouldn't be saying yes to and no to the things we should be saying yes to. Are you taking the humble position in your prayers so that God could respond to your prayers. This king took the position of a servant. He took the position of a servant, and before his God, he saw himself as a servant. He didn't see himself as a king. He saw himself as a servant. How do I know? Because in 1 Kings chapter 3, 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 7 to 12, we hear a conversation that he has with God. And it says this, And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king. You have made your servant king in place of David my father. Although I am but a little child... I do not know how to go out or to come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for, the, for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may be discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this great people? And it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind that so that none like you has been before and none like you shall arise after.
You see, it wasn't a problem for this king to bow before his people and to take the position of a servant because he first bowed before his God. And he first proclaimed himself before his God as a servant. And when he went before his God as a servant, he wasn't asking what commonly a servant may ask for. Give me riches so I don't have to be a servant. Bless me so I can get out of having to be the one that's doing the work while they are being served. Oh God, bless me, bless me, bless me. No, he took the position of that servant and he took it and he said, God, I need wisdom. God, I need discernment to govern these people that you have given me. I don't even know how to do it, but God, I'm trusting you for the wisdom that I need, for the task that is before me. And so there he bowed before the people. Why? Because God granted him the answer to that prayer that he prayed in Kings to know the difference between right and wrong. In that moment that he was bowing, he had the gift of discernment. He had the gift of wisdom that was able to say, no, 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 I'm not going to listen to the flesh that says you're their king. What are you doing bowing? Stand up on your feet and to tell these people to worship God. No, 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 he went by example because he was able to discern the voice. No, that's my voice. That's my pride speaking. I'm going to humble myself. And he prayed. Surprise, surprise. Solomon calls himself a servant, and only a servant can bow before a king. Only a servant can go before a king in true humility and recognize the authority that it is speaking to. Only a servant can go before a king recognizing that only that king possesses the power to change the course of the day. Did not, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, did not Nehemiah face this when he went before the king? He had fasted and prayed. He, need, he wanted to go back home to Jerusalem. He heard of, of what was going on back home, and he wanted to go and repair. And, and what did he do? He fasted and prayed. And then as he went as a cupbearer before the king, the king saw within his countenance something was not right with his servant. Something was not right with his cupbearer. Nehemiah trusted that the king's heart was in the hands of God, and that God can change the direction of that heart, whichever so way he pleased. And King Solomon recognized his heart was in the hands of God, and his direction could only come from God Almighty. And so there he prayed. He could have prayed from his own position of authority. He could have said, now people, as your king, I'm saying today that before God, we are all going to pray. Now pray. He didn't exercise his authority over them. Instead, he led by the example of the kneeling servant king. Choose to start with the humble prayers. So we go on into chapter 6, and it begins to unpack a little bit because it says in verses 18 to 21, but God, 
But will God indeed dwell with man on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built? Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant. Right in front of his people, he called himself a servant. Right in front of the people that he is leading, he calls himself a servant. Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea, O Lord my God. Listen to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you, that your eyes may be open day and night towards this house, the place where you have promised to set your name, that you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers towards this place and listen to the pleas of your servant. Right before the people, he is shutting them out. He is alone with God, yet in the multitude of many. And he's saying, your servant, Hear, O oh God, the plea of your servant. He is praying as though it is just he and God in the living room. Trusting God to come through on the promises. Trusting God that he will do that which he said he would do. Solomon was revering God. He was revering God and recognizing him that he is a God that cannot just be contained in the heavens and cannot be contained on the earth. He is the God that is above all things. He can't be contained in a temple that was built by man. Nonetheless, even though that man was Solomon, David's son, God could not be contained in that. And, 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 and Solomon is praying to him and in awe of who he is, the God that is above the heavens, the God that is above all things. I'm recognizing that God, even though I'm asking you to show yourself in this place, let your presence rest on this place, I know that this place cannot even house your presence. In all of the splendor of Solomon's temple, there was a greater splendor that could not fit into that place. Sorry, I just about fell. But God, <laughs> are you in awe of God this morning? Have you bowed before him today to thank him? Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you are the maker of the heavens and the earth. Thank you, God, that there is none like you. Thank you, God, that you are the awesome and omnipotent God. Thank you, God, that you are sovereign and you reign over all. Did you ever consider the word sovereign? Reign. Right in the middle. S-O-V-R. E-I-G-N, reign, sovereign. You reign, O oh God. There is a greater temple. Did not Paul say in 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, know ye not that you are the temple of what? The Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God dwells within you this morning 
the Spirit of God dwells within you, they would set up camp and set up a place where the Spirit of God could go, where God's presence could be housed, and yet it could not be housed in all of that temple splendor because God was preparing a place where he would really dwell with man. We need to remember we're not praying to a genie. Remember that TV show, Genie in the Bottle, I Love Genie? We're not praying to her. She can't, she can't uh, grant you any wishes this morning. She can't do whatever you think. Oh, if I just think positive thoughts. I get really challenged in my heart when some of my friends are on Facebook will post something like this. Just took my, my child to the hospital. Would appreciate any positive vibes you could send. I'm sorry. What are we doing? What, how do you send positive vibes? How do you even write that, sending positive vibes? This is how people treat God. Oh, they're in trouble and they go to God. Oh, God, uh, God uh, sending positive vibes. God is not a genie. And so we shouldn't treat him as such... Solomon recognized who he was. Solomon recognized the sovereignty of God. Solomon recognized the awe of God. Solomon recognized that he was a God above the heavens and the earth. Ephesians 4 and 6 says that there's one God and the Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. He's over all, he's through all, and he's in all. Because why? He is God. You can't be more places than you are right now. You're sitting here. But unless you practice some sort of that new age stuff of astral projection, you're here. And guess what? If you're astral projecting, it's not you. It's some spirit. That's demonic. You're here, but God is everywhere. He is through all and he is in all. He is everywhere at one time. That is why we could be sitting here this morning, worshiping, praising him, listening to his word, and yet another church, thousands of miles away, another church in another continent could be listening to him, worshiping him. Another saint could be on their knee. And you know what? His ear is attentive to all their prayers. Because he's not seclusively here like you and I are here. He is over all, through all, and in all. And so Solomon demonstrates to us the ultimate leader will be one who will lead by example. And he bows. He bows on that bended knee to pray and to invoke God's presence. Pray with sincerity. Pray with truthfulness. That would be the next thing. We want to pray with humility, but we want to pray with sincerity and truthfulness. How does that show out here? Well, well Solomon, he, he just laid it all out before God because he knew these people that he was leading, they had a, they had a habit of going the wrong way a lot. 
making the wrong decisions a lot, saying this and doing that. And so he sincerely goes before God and he says, God, when the enemy attacks, in verse 24, when the enemy attacks us because we have sinned against you, but we repent in turn, would you hear our prayers? Verse 26, God, if there's a drought in the land because we've sinned against you and we've turned and we repent, acknowledge you, would you hear our prayers? Verse 28, God, if we should face a famine, a plague, if there's pestilence, but then we turn and we pray, would you hear our prayer? He's praying sincerely because these are all the things. He's covering all the territories. He's making sure that when he goes before the the Lord, his house is swept clean. So that his prayers would not be hindered. The house of the people would be swept clean. Oh, verse 32. God, if foreigners come into their land and they're not your people, but they pray to you from this temple, would you hear their prayers? Would you hear their prayers, God? He's not asking God, would you hear? Can you hear? He's asking God, God, Be attentive to their prayers. Hear their prayers. They've repented. Hear their prayers. They've turned, God. Hear their prayers. Verse 34 to 39. God, if your people go wherever you send them to fight, if your people sin against you, if they turn to you with their whole heart and repent, would you forgive them? Solomon covered all the bases. And then he closed with this marvelous clothing, closing. But just before, when we consider those prayers, how are you praying when you pray? Are you going to God with your embellishment of words, trying to impress God? Oh, if I say it like this, then God will hear me. Oh, most righteous heavenly father. Are, are you thinking you have to pray a certain way so that God could hear your prayer? Are we, are we sometimes a bit pharisaical? Like in Luke 18, where you have the Pharisee, I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, that um, I'm not like the others, you know. Standing here, God, I thank you that I'm not an extortioner. I'm not unjust. Oh, God, no, no, no. Meanwhile, there to the side is a tax collector. And he's asking God, God, have mercy on me. He's recognizing the condition of his heart. And before he launches out into any sort of bregatorious prayer, he pauses to say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And what did Jesus respond? I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But to the one who humbles himself, he will be exalted. Solomon implemented that. 
He brought the needs of the people before God. Lord, if they, then would you? Kind of like Job. He made sacrifices to the Lord to cover the sins of his children. Because there was none righteous in the land but Job. Dear Jesus, that corner. There was none righteous in the land but Job. You know, the devil is a liar. Sometimes he just wants to distract my mind. Oh, hallelujah. But he presented before the Lord honestly. Are you going before the Lord honestly with your heart this morning? Are you prostrating your heart before the Father and saying, God, shine your magnifying glass upon my heart today? Holy Spirit, what would you have to say to me about me? What do I need to make right before you concerning me? You know, we could go to God in prayer really good about our brother and our sister. Lord, do you see? Do you see, God? Da -da -da -da. And did you see? Did you hear, God, what they said? Oh, but how about shining that magnifying glass? Holy Spirit, shine your magnifying light on me. What do I need? Sir, we, we talked about this a bit on Friday nights at Mary Couples. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me. Right? You want to have some powerful prayers? Start first with humility. Then be sincere, God. Is there anything I need to repent of? Is there anything that I've done that maybe has grieved you? God, would you just show me right now? You want to have powerful prayers? You want to see some answers? How about you start by looking introspective and dust cleaning? Clean your house. As the scripture says, show the house to the house. It's an old King James passage. Show the house to the house. So then Solomon wraps up his prayer. He has this prayer that he has shined the magnifying glass on every area that possibly the people could have faltered, on every area that possibly could happen within their midst as a people. And then he says, now... Oh my God, now, oh my God, let your, ear, your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayer of this place. And now arise, oh Lord God, and go, go to your resting place. And now arise and go to your resting place. And now arise and go to your resting place, you and what? The ark of your might and let your priest oh god be clothed with salvation and let your saints rejoice in your goodness oh lord god do not turn away the face of your anointed one remember your steadfast love for david your servant wow 
after he covers the bases, after he prays what was ever on his heart concerning the people, he gives one more sigh. Now, Lord God, now, Lord God, go to your resting place. Go to your resting place and let your priests be clothed in salvation. Are we not the royal priesthood? And is not the salvation brought to us through the redemption blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. And now, O Lord, find your resting place. The Ark of the Covenant, the symbol of God's presence, would no longer wander from people to people, would no longer wander from place to place as they would set up camp and carefully place the Ark exactly where it was established. No, no, it would no longer wander. What happened as a result of Solomon's prayer of humility before God? What happened as a result of Solomon's truthfulness and sincerity before God? The fire of God fell down in that place and the glory of God came. And what happened? The glory of God rested. His fire came and the glory of God rested. Verse 1 of chapter 7. As soon as Solomon finished praying his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. Why? Because God had a chosen place for a chosen time. But there had to be a chosen vessel who was going to pray the humble prayers that needed to be prayed. There had to be one who was going to pray with truth. There had to be one who was going to pray with sincerity. There had to be one that was going to go before the Lord and say, not my brother, Lord, not my sister, Lord, but it's me. I'm standing here in the need of prayer. Search me, oh God. Search me, oh God. Rather than praying, oh God, would you come without the repentance? Oh God, would you come without bending the knee and recognizing him as the Lord Almighty? The makers of the heavens and the earth, the fire came. Go to your resting place and remember your steadfast love. Many of us love a fireplace, right? Well, I was writing this. You know what I did? I sat in front of the fireplace. It was burning up my back. Nice and toasty, warm. There are times I was like, God, is that your fire or is what? But we all love a fireplace. It could be mesmerizing. We all love a fire. Fire is something that, that we can cook on. A fire is something we can warm up at. We all love the fire, but the fireplaces of God operate through the hearts of his people. You see, your fireplace of God, your fireplace of God, the fire is not seclusive to one area. The fire is not seclusive to Logos Church altar. The fire is seclusive to you, the carrier of his presence, the carrier of his fire. Oh, when you come to the altar, right, you might bring the fire, but when you go out, you might bring the fire home. You might bring it in your workplace. The fire of God is what takes up residence within you. Why? Because go to your resting place. Go to your chosen place. Lord, you have chosen your people. 
to be the vessels. Do you not know, as we said in 1 Corinthians, that, you, that the Holy Spirit came to dwell in you? What happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 3? What, what happened in Acts chapter 2, verse 3? There they were praying. And divided tongues as a fire appeared on them. And what? Rested. Go to your resting place, O God. Go to your resting place, O God. And the fire of God rested on each of them. Can you imagine? On each of them. The fire of God rested on each one. Why? Because the fire consumes, the fire purifies, the fire cleanses, the fire softens, the fire cooks, the fire does what only the fire of God can do in your life. What are you needing today? For those of you that were at prayer time on Wednesday nights in the summer, you would have heard my story the July 4th of all July 4th this year. I was in the States. And, well, you know, they decided to set off some firecrackers. And so when they were all done, they were cleaning up the fireworks and uh, brought it in a wheelbarrow to the backyard of my brother's house. And... Uh, the next night, we decided we were going to have a fire. And so we were going to use the boxes as kindling to get the fire going, you know? And so there we are. The fire's looking nice. You know, it, lo it looks really, really nice. And um, some of the boxes that the fireworks were in were, were doing a good job of causing this fire to come ablaze beautifully. Well, then one decides to put one of the empty cylinders in to the fire. One, two, three. We had a few of them. I'm going to tell you, we had 4th of July all over again. I am sitting, and I like to be as close to the fire as I can get. So I am sitting, and brothers and sisters... I saw one cylinder fall down, and that stupid thing had me in sight. And it shot like wildfire. I'm telling you, I was on fire, okay? I was on fire. I finally threw out the shirt because it had holes all over it. My pants, everywhere. My brother ran to get the holes, and, 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 and Dino's going, it's okay, it's okay, and, and he's fanning, fanning me. He really means to pat the fire out, but oh no, he fans the flame, folks. <laughs> so here, here I am. I got too close to the fire. You can be burned if you go too close to the fire, but the fire found its resting place. It was me. It was me. I just insert that for some fun because the fire can be dangerous. But when the fire of God comes upon you, you know that what it's going to do, it's going to have to burn away everything in your life that should not be there. 
It's going to soften every hardened area. Like when you put precious metals into the fire, they are softened and they become moldable and they become pliable. And so when you go into the fire and the fire of God rests upon you, you can be sure he's going to soften those hard areas of your life. Those areas that have become callous through years and years of abuse, through years and years of resentment, through years and years of bitterness, and anger and strife and unforgiveness and you name it whatever is your calloused area God's fire will soften it God's fire will purify he will purify your heart purify my heart make me as gold and precious silver purify my heart Lord Oh, we can sing the song, but what if we actually gave him our heart to purify? That song would take on another melody, and the melody would be praise and hallelujah. That melody would be a resting place for his presence. That song would be a place that then declares to others, this is what she once was. But this is now who she is. When the fire of God rests upon you, it changes because God promised, the Lord promised. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, go and tarry in Jerusalem until you've been endued with power from on high. And how did that power come? Through the representation of the Holy Spirit. How did that power come? Well, because that power came as a result of a promise that was declared in Joel. And what was that promise in Joel? As our, our ladies and even the young adult group looked at this verse and it's been ruminating in my mind for several weeks now. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. The day of God's resting place was no longer held to a building, brothers and sisters. It was no longer held to a temple. No, the day of God's resting place was now found in the temple of you and I. You and I, as I've already said the verse, that we are the temple of his Holy Spirit. Who did we receive this Holy Spirit from? We received the Holy Spirit from God. When did we receive the Holy Spirit from God? When we believed in him as our Lord and Savior, but even greater still was another outpouring that he wanted to give. And that was a gift that anybody could seek after. And if you would seek after it, then you could trust him that he would give it to you. And there was the resting place of God that would inhabit the vessels of his people. It would find its resting place on his people. And it was the prophecy of Joel that he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. Not some flesh, not 
just the men, not just the children, not just the old, not just the young, on all flesh. That was the promise that he would pour out his spirit. What is that spirit? The spirit is his all-consuming fire. The Spirit is what was testified when it came and it rested upon them in Acts 2 and 3. Why? Because in Acts 2 and 3, and as they were praying in one accord and they waited upon Him, the promise of the Holy Spirit came as a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And when that Spirit came and rested upon them, it rested upon them in the sights of a fire that all that were in that room saw it. But all that were outside witnessed it because they heard it. As it demonstrated itself in the glory of God through tongues of fire that spoke through his vessels. Tongues that they, languages that they didn't even know. What if I were to all of a sudden break out in one of your Indian native languages, in one of your African dialects? What if I were to, to all of a sudden break out in a language that is not known to me? Then would you believe? Then would you declare, oh yes, we saw the power of God in the church this morning. What would it take for you to believe that the power of God wants to settle and rest on you. What would it take for you to kneel before him and say, oh God, find your resting place and let it be me. Let it be me. Let your resting place, let the resting place of your spirit be me. Oh, well, another, another one of those kind of sermons, eh? Yeah. Well, get used to it because something has to come against the power that's going on in the earth today. We're seeing all kinds of artillery fire. We're seeing guns of fire. We're seeing bombs. Oh, that's just in Gaza and Jerusalem. Oh, we're seeing wars. We're seeing wars. There's going to be a mighty outpouring that will demonstrate just how powerful God is that is far greater than any bomb that has been set off. It will shut the, and silence the mouth of the naysayers. All you guys preach about is your fire and all you guys preach about is the power of your God, but where is he? Well, you just wait and see. Because you know what Joel said? Afterwards. Afterwards. And it came to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And even on the male and female servant in those days I will pour out my spirit. When was that afterwards? Well, Joel told us that too. In verses 30 and 31, he says, And I will show wonders in heaven and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke, and the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. When is afterwards? Did you guys not watch Daily Devotions live on Revelations? When is afterwards? Thank you. Praise the Lord. It's now. We're in 
of the afterwards. We're in the time when God is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. We're in the very precipice of that time. And we can't just sit here saying, well, Lord, if you, and would you, and could you. No, we got to stretch forth our hands like Solomon did. We have to kneel in humble prayer. We have to allow the allow God to take introspection of us. And we have to allow him to move. That his resting place would be found on you and I. That we would be that chosen place at a chosen time for such a time as now. We need to pray. We need to pray because the latter part of Second Chronicles 7 in verse 14, 12 to 16 actually says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and I've chosen this place for myself. I've heard your prayer and I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. And then he went on and he addressed the areas that Solomon prayed. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways and turn from their wicked ways and turn from their wicked ways, if my people would turn from their wicked ways, if my people would turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. If my people would turn from their wicked ways, if my people would turn from their wicked ways. You see, here's the problem. Maybe we haven't accepted the wicked ways that in, is in our life. Maybe we're too good at seeing the wicked ways in another person's life. We've said it over and over from the pulpit. At the foot of the cross, all sin is sin. So whether you are a liar or a robber, it is sin. You are no greater or no better just because, well, I just told a little white lie. You sinned. You sinned just as the one who committed adultery, committed murder. Sin is sin at the foot of the cross. If my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal this land. And now, now Solomon, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now... I have chosen and consecrated this house, right? Because it's, we're, we're going to fast forward and understand that passage in Corinthians that you are a living temple of the Holy Spirit and you are housing the very presence of God. And now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. You want your prayers to be heard. You want your prayers to invoke the presence of God in your life. You want your prayers to invoke the power of God in your life, the demonstration of who he is in and on your life. 
It starts with humble prayers. It starts with sincere and truthful prayers. And when you pray from that position before God, his promise is that he will hear from heaven and he will set up his resting place in you. Some people want to say that that verse is not for us to use, that that verse is only for the children of Israel to use. And that's kind of dangerous, in my opinion, to take the word of God and put it in a box. Yes, it was. And yes, there's theologies that support that. I could, I could appreciate that. But when my God says that if you humble yourself, I don't think he was only talking to Israel. I believe he was talking to me. And if my God said, turn from your wicked ways, I don't think he was only talking to Israel. I believe he was talking to me. I will employ that verse into my life. Even if it was for Israel, and even if it was mandated for Israel to walk in that obedience, I will employ it because all scripture is given for, by God for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, right? So that what? We could walk in his ways, that, that we could be made holy before him. The scripture is not just there to apply to one group, but the scripture is there fully inspired. Bring it up, uh, Timothy, it's 2 Timothy 3.16. Oh, they got to have a moment to, to pull it up because I didn't put it in my notes, but that's okay. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God and what? Profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And the next verse, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. for every good work. I also don't take it that that was only exclusive for them because guess what Solomon prayed? He said, if your people, um, excuse me, likewise when a foreigner who is not, Second Chronicles 6.32, likewise when a foreigner is not of your people, Israel comes from a far country for the sake of your great name and your and your the foreigner calls to you in order that all peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you. So, those that want to take that and make it only for the Jewish people, you can go ahead and, and, and pack up all your theology and live by it, but guess what? I'm going to still apply it because it's the word of God and it's all scripture. And guess what? Solomon already covered that territory when he says when they come in and they pray to you because they see of what you're doing here, hear from them. Hear them, God. And that's me because I'm a foreigner. I'm not a Jew. Where are you at this morning? How is the fire on your altar? Is it burning? How, what's what's the, the temperature of your prayers? Bless me, bless me, bless me. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. 
Have you captured the position of Solomon this morning? Have you captured the position of the humble heart? Because when God says amen, you know what his amen looks like? Fire and glory. Fire and glory. Moses wanted to see his glory, but Solomon and the children of Israel witnessed his glory in the temple. They, he, they witnessed it. When God says amen, it'll be fire and it'll be glory. And that you can take to the bank because it's his word, not mine. It's his word. If the worship team would come. Father God, I just pray, Lord, that you would manifest your power in this house from center to circumference, Lord, for every t body that is tired, <laughs> some that have had some good intercessory rest in your house this morning. Lord, I just pray right now, demonstrate your power to your people. Reveal the power of your word from Chronicles 6 and 7. Show your people that you're looking for a resting place that can be found in them. Show us, O oh God, that you want to make an altar in our lives. That you can come and burn away all that is not glorifying to you, Lord Jesus. Let your fire fall, O oh God, in every one of us that is here. May it rest upon us that this week when we go to work, we bring your fire to work. This week when we go to visit family or friends, that we bring your fire with us. That, Lord, when we're in the grocery store, your fire is with us. Demonstrating who you are. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Don't leave just yet.